0: Welcome to My Fertility Journey, live chats with Bianca Bolisian. Hello everyone. Join me today on this live chat with Brittany Austin. Brittany is a young woman going through the struggles of having her first baby and she's willing to share it all to create awareness and provide support within the TTC community. She is a fertility mindset coach and aims to help women take control of their self-confidence and body image through this journey. She has a great Instagram account to spread all that awareness and love, and she also launched a podcast called She Unapologetically, where she talks to women sharing their fertility stories too. Brittany is releasing a brand new program for the TTC community this Black Friday, so check out the links on the notes and follow her on Instagram for all the details. Great. Hello, Brittany. Thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm excited to chat with you because I've been following you on Instagram for a while. And I found you when I first started my fertility account there and started to build it up and getting in touch with the community. And you were like the most active person on my account and always with like such a Important, like positive outlook on things and always like a bright smile and beautiful pictures and messages mm-hmm. that that you share. So I know that um I got in touch with you and we started chatting privately and then we got to do a little workout together that yes. was fun. <laughs> yes. So yeah. we sort of, yeah, and then we kept in touch after that. So I'm super excited to hear a bit more details about your your journey and also how you've been helping helping these the women in this community as well. So I would like to start if you don't mind just sharing a bit about in the early days when you were you know uh, young adults I guess a young woman and getting in touch with your own fertility and the the introduction of that you know like sexual education and on those lines and the information that you were getting from like your family and friends and society in general, things we see on TV and magazines, right? How was that for you in the beginning?
1: Yeah, so growing up, I was always one, I never thought I'd have issues getting pregnant, um, but I was always one that had awful, awful periods to the point where I would stay home from school or work or whatever the case may be. And with that, I never thought like anything was wrong. I just thought it was normal. And as far as like education goes, I say it today, but I wish that fertility issues were some was something that they taught back in school when I was in school, because sexual education when I was in school was more sexually transmitted diseases and things like that. They didn't go over the fact that so many women are struggling to get pregnant or have issues to where they aren't able to get pregnant. And so I definitely um, feel like there was not a lot of education or communication about those kind of things growing up. And the communication really didn't start until I was out of high school. Yeah, it's interesting,
0: right? I see I see a trend of this with with the people that I talk to. The first trend is the painful periods that we think is normal and that is like brushed off by by doctors and gynecologists etc. And then the second trend is the lack of education and how we then feel so surprised all of a sudden when we can't get pregnant because we're like no one even taught me like how this works or even like birth control and how how it works and how it suppresses your hormones and how it can have side effects and like serious side effects sometimes. So I think it's a fight right now of our generation to get. Um, I mean, you're younger than me, but uh, that we get more <laughs> of that more of that education out there earlier on, right? What did you? What do you feel? were- agree. Yeah, since you started this, um, like more of this, the struggle uh, behind trying to conceive, what have you learned um, about your body that you didn't know before? Like hormone issues or just like the concept of conceiving a child even?
1: I feel like I have learned so much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I learned that I have PCOS, um, so polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I knew that was a thing, but I didn't know that I would have it, I guess. I have been to the gynecologist since I was probably, I don't know, 16, 17 years old, the normal time that you start going. And that wasn't something that was ever brought up or looked for for any reason, I guess. And so there was that. And then I also had um, an imbalance with my hormones, uh, which was another thing I had no clue that was going on. Like I didn't really know like on the cycle
0: um, where like estrogen is high and then that drops and then progesterone is high. Like I had no idea. All of that I learned through the struggle. If I had gotten pregnant like the first month I tried, I wouldn't even know.
1: I completely agree. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It is so weird how in touch or in tune we are with our bodies through this journey. Whereas like you said before, like if I would have just gotten pregnant, there's so much information that I would have missed out on, so much information. I would have just thought that you had sex and a baby came along and that's just the way it works. (laughs)
0: Yes, and we we learned it the hard way, some of us, that that's not really, it's not so simple. Um, so if we can sort of fast forward a bit from your un- younger years and then how you met your husband and then how your, um, a journey began till now.
1: Yeah. So I met my husband through a dating app mm-hmm. <laughs> about three years back and we lived very close to each other. We were about 15 minutes from each other and we started hanging out and, I went to his house one day and we started watching movies. And after that, I kind of just like never left. And then two years into dating, he asked me to marry him. And then last year, October 5th, we got married. Um, And we initially started our journey right off the bat because while I thought that it would be easy for us to get pregnant, I also had a weird feeling around that time that it wouldn't be so easy which is so weird to say but at the same time when you look back at like my history with the painful periods and i also had um problems with pelvic pain for a while when i was younger and so with those issues it also makes sense why i'm why i would be a little bit worried about it um, going into it so we decided to start trying as soon as we got married I also have grandparents that are a lot older and I want to have kids younger so that they're able to be here when I have my kids. Um, So that's kind of where we started. We started right off the bat when we got married. I got off of birth control probably about a month before we got married.
0: Okay. And you went right into it. And then how surprised were you two um, when it just wasn't happening? And how long did you um, try before you started investigating?
1: Yeah, so initially when we first started trying, I had it all played out in my head. So we got married in October and I figured, you know, it'll happen by Thanksgiving and we can announce on Thanksgiving. And that was just the way that it was gonna happen. And that's how we would tell our family but then that month passed and it was a no. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe it takes some time because I had been on birth control for three years and they say it's a month per year or something or how the saying goes. I don't know. Um, But then the next month came around and I was like, okay, it's going to happen by Christmas. And it didn't happen then. And then I felt like holiday after holiday just kept passing. And we were about, I think it was, February that I finally said you know it's kind of I just feel like maybe something's wrong and I called the doctor and they were able to get me in in March but then I got a call about a week before our appointment saying that it was canceled due to COVID so we had to wait about three more months so our initial appointment was on I think it was in June that we had our initial appointment this past year.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's still uh COVID did mess up quite a bit, didn't it?
1: It sure did. <laughs> oh my god.
0: So you talked about the expectation, right, in the beginning and I find that this is such an important point to bring up because when we start, it's like it's so exciting, right? And all we think about is um this is going to happen we don't think oh if it doesn't happen we only think when it happens I'm going to tell my family like this I'm going to buy this first right like what is the first baby thing we're gonna buy um or if you if you plan to test on your own like how am I gonna maybe surprise my husband and then have like a special dinner date with this news right and the parents and like you said grandparents it's like so special to be able to to share these news and then special like holidays after holidays when you can plan oh maybe it's going to be a Christmas baby and then it's not maybe it's going to be an Easter baby and it's not that like emotional baggage that starts like piling it's like you're wearing a backpack and every month it's like this huge like five pound rock that goes into your backpack and you keep walking because you're like, when this happens, when this happens, it's going to be great. And then it starts to weigh and it adds up pretty fast. Um, How did you feel like emotionally coping? And you can share A bit about COVID as well because it's what all of us are going through but even pre-COVID what were your maybe strategies self-care if you'd like to share with the listeners a bit about that
1: yeah so my emotions I felt like like you said I feel like it's an emotional roller coaster (laughs) and every month like you said it's another rock that you're adding to that backpack and for the first six months The only people that knew that we were trying to get pregnant was my family. Um, My husband's family did not know at that time. And we, that was hard. I felt as though I'm very strong in my faith. And I felt as though towards the six month mark, I felt like God was calling me to share my story with others and help others with this. And so at that point we decided, okay, we need to tell his family that we're trying as well, that we're having these issues. Um, And I think our biggest support and way of like dealing with these these emotions have been through one sharing my story on Instagram, being able to just get it out there and know that others are listening and hearing what's going on, and others that actually understand and have been there before. But then also um, just having family that supports us through this, no matter what we decide. I think that's been like our biggest. to hold on to throughout this emotional roller coaster
0: that's nice and you and the both of you as a couple you look very like you're very supportive of each other it's nice to to cherish that i think it's a it's a good thing because it can be so hard right on on a relationship yes yes so where are you guys um standing now if you'd like to share that so since your appointment in june what has happened since yeah
1: Okay, so since our appointment in June, at our first appointment, I went in. The doctor talked super fast. I felt like he threw so much information at me. I wasn't really sure what to take in, but he decided that because I had irregular cycles all that year since I had gotten off the birth control, that we should probably put me on progesterone um, to start my periods on a normal time. And then once those got started, he decided that we were going to try a couple of rounds of Clomid to force my body into ovulation. And so we tried out the first round, but I was not able to get a follicle study done that month because I was actually out of town. So we weren't even sure at that, that month, whether things were working correctly, not working correctly. So it was just kind of like a trial run in a way I felt like, Mm -hmm. Um, but that first month, That first month failed and we, it was very hard on us, even though we knew that we weren't even really sure if it was working or not. Um, but we did decide to do a second round. So we started our second round, August 7th, and I had such a good feeling that month. But then when I went into my doctor's appointment for my follicle study, I just felt like something was so off. I, going in there, it just felt like something was wrong. And I had the ultrasound tech take me back. And she had said that she had asked me like how many milligrams the doctor had me on. And I told her the 50 milligrams, which is just like the basic that they put you on to start with. And she goes, oh, well, he may want to double that for next month. And in my head, I'm thinking, why would would he need to double it if this is going to work kind of a thing. So I knew that something was off. And then They had me go sit back down and then the doctor called me in. And the first thing the doctor said was, well, and as soon as that came out of his mouth, I knew that this month was not good. Our follicle study had shown that our follicles were less than half the size that they should have been. And so I felt just sick to my stomach at that point, Um, but I held it together. And I asked him, I said, how long do you plan on having us stay on Clomid or continue doing Clomid before we try something different? And mind you, this is just at my normal gynecologist, not a fertility specialist or anything. Okay. Um, oh,
0: that's and
1: important to note. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he had told me, he was like, well, I think I'm going to have you try to stay on it for another six months to 12, or six to 12 months. And I was just shocked because I had done my own research when they first put us on it and they told, and it had said that you don't want to be on it for more than six months in your lifetime because it causes higher chances of ovarian cancer. And so I was personally not okay with doing more than like three to four cycles of it Mm -hmm. um, just to be safe. And he had told me that it was just this big runaround because he, the re, his reasoning for wanting me to stay on it for six to 12 months is because he did not want to be the middleman. He did not want to have to send me to a fertility doctor. He wanted to be the one to deliver my baby. Mm. And that just blew my mind. I was so angry because I didn't have a baby at this point. So there was no, mm-hmm. there was no, I didn't care who delivered my baby because there was no baby to deliver if that makes sense. <laughs> yes,
0: of course, like um, the priority his priorities were a bit askew to say the least.
1: Yes, yes, yes. But then we I decided to seek out other help just in case this month didn't work, which it that month did fail. that was our second round. And I was okay, I think at that point I don't think emotions were too bad because I'd already had like my big emotional spill yes. after the doctor's appointment. Were you okay with the like side effects? Did you have anything? Cause
0: my, uh, me on Clomid, that was like awful. Like it affected my hormones so much and like worse than the IVF drugs, which surprised me. How, how did you deal with it? Did you have anything like extreme? <laughs> so
1: I my husband is a saint (laughs) 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 because I my breakdowns were so high and so low throughout that month. I felt like in a way, like I was dealing with almost like a bipolar kind of thing. Um and so that was only on the 50 milligrams. So I was super worried the next month when they were gonna put us on a hundred (laughs) milligrams.
0: Yes, no (laughs) kidding.
1: they, it wasn't too, it wasn't too bad, but yes, the, I think that was the only side effect we had was just the big ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy moods.
0: So then you yes. ended up um now at a clinic. So do you chose a clinic with a fertility specialist?
1: Yeah. So I have one friend around here that is going through IVF and I had reached out to her and asked where she was going because where I live there's very few um, fertility clinics around here, you have to drive out ways to get to one. And I called up the, the fertility clinic that she was going to and they were able to get me in for an online consult. And so we had our first consult with them. Um, October first of this year and that did not go as planned. <laughs> uh, I had let him know, I told him he had had all my background because we, because we sent him all of our testing and everything that we had had done. And I'd let him know that we were still going to go ahead this month and do our third round of Clomid just as our final round. And he looked over everything and pre- proceeded to tell me that, we had less than a 10% chance of getting pregnant without doing IVF. And that just blew my mind. I think that was probably the worst news that I had received this entire journey so far. Um, He didn't say that it was impossible, but he said without doing further testing, he could see that it was probably less than 10%. And he told us that our chances if we did IVF by the third round could go all the way up to 87% of getting chances of getting pregnant. So that's huge, huge difference. But at that point we had decided before I'd even got on the call with him, we had said, we're not doing IVF because in our minds, we were thinking for one, we don't have insurance that cover, we have insurance, but it doesn't cover fertility issues Mm -hmm. or treatment. And so If we were to do IVF, that would be completely out of pocket. And the ideas that we had going on was that we could either use that money to possibly go through three cycles of IVF and possibly have a baby, or we could take that money and put it towards adoption and know that in the end, there would be a baby waiting. our mind has changed a lot since then. <laughs> uh, but it is, before going, it's a into roller coaster. It, we had already said that we weren't going to do that.
0: Yeah, it's a roller coaster, like you said, right? Like, and and your, our minds change yes. and possibilities. And you start studying or talking to maybe people that are close to you or just the community, and you see different situations and things. Things do change. I remember, um, I always say that the I, I had a needle phobia. So as soon as the doctor told me that IVF was the only way for me to conceive a child, and I knew that that meant a lot of needles in my life from then on, I just broke down. Like the needle was the the biggest thing. And I remember telling my husband, I'm like, I like... I'll pay whatever we need to. We'll just do whatever we can with the money. If I can just not have the needles (laughs) and he is way more financially like sane than I am. And he would be like, "Uh, nope, like this is a big deal, like $30,000 or whatever it was going to be. And, and then of course, when I started my first round, the needles were, I started getting used to it. It was still traumatizing in many ways, but. I realized it was easier than I had thought. So I, I, and I slowly sort of shed that phobia away, which is one of the things I'm most proud of, of myself in this journey. I always talk about it, <laughs> but the, and then the, the money, it started worrying me more. Right. So you see like the stresses on the, the different aspects of the journey, they change with time, depending on where you are and then how much experience you gain and things start changing. So, so yeah, so tell us, so how did you guys change? So that's where you guys were
1: at that time and then how has it changed yes. till now so we just I feel like in our hearts we both are just so longing for a child of our own and we I have always had adoption on my heart anyways but that's a completely different thing than having a child of your own um, even though the adopted child would be your own if that makes sense just to be able to carry a baby, I guess. I've always longed for that. And he also has always longed to have like a child of his own. And so it was a hard decision to switch from not wanting to do IVF to possibly wanting to do IVF. So we had, after that call, we had a follicle scan for our third round of Clomid. And that follicle scan was amazing and it was absolutely where it was supposed to be. And so I decided to do a faith purchase, which is where you go out and buy like a baby item, just saying like letting the universe know like, Hey, I'm doing this. Like I trust that this is going to happen. And I was so certain that that was like our month. Like I would never been so certain because i had also gotten positive ovulation tests that month and i had never in the last year gotten any positive ovulation test oh wow but i so as i i told you i normally had been put on progesterone to start my periods um and they would do that on day 35 if i had tested and it was negative and i hadn't received my period well The weird thing was that on day 35 of this cycle, this past cycle, so October, the end of October, it, on day 35, I got my period. Didn't have to take progesterone or anything, which was crazy to me. I was like, this is the most normal cycle that I have had my entire journey. And because normally they were around 42 to 50 something days. And so that was kind of shocking Yes, it was kind of shocking. But after this month failed, I think that's when our mindset shifted from not wanting to do IVF to, okay, what can we do besides Clomid that's going to work? And so we started getting all the testing done for IUI or IVF, depending on which way we went. It's the same type of testing. And one of those tests were to get my tubes checked. And they did a dye test where they inject the dye into your. Tubes um, to see if it goes through clear. And to my surprise, everything was completely clear, which is good news. But it also left us with a lot of questions as to okay, do we do IUI even though a lower percentage of getting, like chance of getting pregnant, or do we go straight to IVF? And right now, where we're at is we are trying to figure out money wise. Insurance plans here just opened up IVF in January, I believe. But we're questioning now, do we start IUI next month, this coming month when I start my cycle, up until the point of doing IVF? And so that's kind of where we're at right now. Hard choices. Hard choices.
0: Yes. But it thinks, <laughs> I feel like you guys are like very down to earth. It feels like you're in control as much as we can be in this journey right <laughs> yes. So let's let's talk a little bit about your your Instagram account and the sharing of of that and how it how it came to you. Like you you had this you you mentioned before you had this urge to share your story and um tell us a bit about how that was in the beginning and because you have such a nice community and also you started working with with women and um if you don't mind explaining a little bit about how that work is.
1: Yes. So originally um, at the point where I started to share my journey, I at the time was a beach body coach and they urge you to share as much as you can and be as open as you can. And so that might have been a little bit of like the push to start sharing that. Um, but as I started sharing my journey, I found tons and tons of other women who are going through it, who have may have just started or have been through it um, at all seasons of this journey. Um, And I was able to connect with hundreds of them. I have talked to hundreds of women about their stories and what they're going through. And these are women that when the end of the month comes and I get my negative or in the past have gotten my negative test, I'm able to lean on them and same with them when they're going through testing or whatever it may be we reach out to one another and check in on each other. And so I just thought that was so cool because that's like the one thing throughout this journey I think I was seeking was connections with others that actually 100% understood what I was going through because around here where I live I only know of one person um well I know of a couple now but when I started I only knew of one person um And I became very close with her through this journey, but I knew that I was seeking connections from others that knew what I was going through because my family members, they, while they are empathetic, they don't hundred percent get it from the point of view that I'm seeing things as. And so when I started sharing my journey um, and connecting with these women, I found that a lot of these women, and myself included at the beginning of this journey, or even throughout the middle, our mindsets are so focused on the negative outcome that's coming at the end of the month, or um, all of the things that we have been through. And so I decided that I was going to leave Beachbody and open up my own business called She Unapologetically, where I am all about helping women go through their life unapologetically, um, getting through these journeys and just doing it in a positive way, even though there are going to be hard, hard days, um, just trying to take the good out of what you can. And so with my business, I decided to start my own podcast called She Unapologetically as well. And I decided to do fertility mindset coaching. And so I take on women and there's some one-on-one programs that I will be launching here on Black Friday. So those will be open and it'll be a four-week course, which I'm super excited about. And then I'm also towards January going to be opening up a group course.
0: Okay, that's so exciting. Yes, and I'm excited yes. for that. I'm excited for your podcast a lot. You were talking about the common negative thinking and thought processes that we have a lot through this journey what is the most common thing if you can pick I guess that you that you tend to work with the with these um, people that you're helping in that sense like the the negativity where do you feel that's coming from and if you can give us and the listeners any tips of strategies that you might use
1: For example, a lot of the times I'll hear like, I'm not worthy of being a mom or maybe I wasn't meant to be a mom. And one way that is completely untrue, if you're listening, (laughs) that is completely untrue. You are so worthy of becoming a mother. But one way to combat that or change that around is, I may not be a mom yet, but I am for sure worthy of becoming a mother when that happens. And so I work on changing that mindset and taking those negative thoughts and redirecting them into positive ones. And so anytime um, those negative thoughts come up, you just have to stop stop them right where they're at. Don't let them continue taking hold of your thinking and think about how you can take those, turn them into positive ones, and then say that positive one out loud and repeat it to yourself as many times as you have to nice sometimes a fake it till you make it too
0: right just flip it around keep saying it keep saying it until you like you really believe it and your body believes it right um i like a lot about what you talk on on your posts or you've been um even more the, the last few from what i remember is the like feeling that you're that you're broken right? That our bodies are yes. broken. So that is another um, common one as well. That is like so hard to, to get rid of because the reality is our body is not functioning the way that it should be. And it needs help. Right. So, yes. um, yeah. So can you, can you give our listeners some
1: tips for that one? Yeah. So it's, When you're telling yourself that your body is broken, your mind eventually starts to believe that, which honestly is crazy to me because we can change the way that our minds work. We can rewire the way that our brains work, which is so cool, but it can be used as a weapon against us. So the more and more that you keep telling yourself that your body's broken, the more and more your brain is going to believe that something is broken which it's going to start sending off signals like that, just that things are wrong. It's going to make you feel as though maybe you're tired or whatever the case may be. Um, And so that's another instance where when you think that your body's broken, you need to stop and think, what all has your body done for you up to this point? You are alive, you are breathing, whatever it may be, you whether you've run a 5k before, whether you ate breakfast this morning, I mean, your body is allowing you to do so many things. So your body is not broken. There is something that's going wrong, but that does not mean that you are broken or that your body is broken.
0: So powerful. That's great advice, actually. And um, how like the mental, whatever emotional and mental struggles that we have, the more we feed into that, the more we start seeing physical signs, right? Like you said, whatever it is, you feel more tired or right. So it's, it's nice to, to create these routines of whatever you can do to, to sort of nip that as fast and quick as you, as you can. Right. Can you give us little um, ideas of what you do um, for your self-care? when you're feeling down, when you're feeling hopeless, when you get like a bad consultation, we've all had that bad news. What's your go-to?
1: My absolute favorite go-to is honestly just a hot bath. Mm -hmm. I, and I don't know, it's so weird because growing up when I did have those bad periods, like that was the one thing that was comforting. So now I feel like baths are just like ingrained in my brain to be like a comforting thing and so I go take a hot bubble bath and whether I'm even still scrolling through YouTube or whatever reading a book whatever it may be it's just time by myself away um, where I am in that hot bath and getting my muscles relaxed and which also relaxes my mind and that's kind of like my favorite thing. Nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The hot baths are nice and, uh, or bubble baths. It's funny cause I'm from Brazil and in Brazil, we don't have bathtubs. So it's also oh. very hot there most of the time. So hot baths are just a, a completely different concept. <laughs> <laughs> it's very sort of North, North of the world kind of thing. So, in this year, how do you feel like this journey has changed you as a person and like an individual, and also as a wife or even like a citizen in the world? What can you pinpoint?
1: So, there are a couple things. I feel like I am definitely a stronger woman, I handle things way more clear minded because all the hard news that we have received and that I've had to take in. Um, I also feel like my husband and I are so much closer because we've had to lean on each other throughout this entire journey. And we've been had to get through these hard things together, just the two of us. Um, And then also on top of that, like I said before, my faith is strong, but this year it has been the strongest in my entire life. Um, I have never prayed so much to God in my entire life and been so close to him. So I think those are like the main things. But then as like a citizen, I guess, just sharing my journey and being able to help others through it while I'm still going through mine, I just absolutely love that I'm able to take what's essentially not a great situation and turn it into something that's helping others.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's ultimately all we can do, right? Because we lose control of so much on this journey. And then all we have, you know, is our hope, like you said, your faith and, and what we do with our situation and how we can when can we can turn it around and everyone has their way to do that, right? And I believe that you're doing you're doing wonderful things. So so thank you for that. My last question is it's a bit of a tricky question. It can be, yeah, a bit challenging when we're still in the journey. It's an easier one when you're there, already have your children or your baby, but. Knowing how much you have achieved, even in this one year, which I find fascinating, you're, you're young, you're, it's just one year into the journey, and I hope that it's a, a short one for, for the both of you, but you have done so much with it. Um, knowing how much you grew, how much you learned, how much you can give to the world, like you just said, would you, if you had the choice, go back and have gotten pregnant the first month you tried?
1: Oh, that's a hard question. That is such a hard question. Um, I'm going to say no. Um, I'm going to say no for a couple of reasons. One, because I have said this to my business coach, as I transitioned out of Beachbody into starting my own company, that I feel like I found my purpose in life in a way, which is so crazy. Um, But along with that, I just, I don't think my faith, I I don't think my relationships, I don't think, I think there's so much that would be different if I hadn't gone through this. And while there is all the negative by around not having a baby right now, there's so much positive too, that has come out of it. And so I feel like I, while I want a baby really bad, I don't think Mm -hmm. I would change it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for answering that. I know it's a hard one for us that are not in the <laughs> in the end of our journey with our little miracle baby yet. Do you have Brittany, anything that has, I I guess you gave us so much information already, but um, if you could pick one thing, either like a quote or a book or something that you, that helps you or inspires you when you're feeling like a bit hopeless or even like a mentor, someone that people can look up on the internet.
1: Yeah. so when I first started this journey, like I told you guys, I was a beach body coach and there was another beach body coach who at the time was going through clomid and um dealing with her own infertility journey and one of the things she said was if you want God's promises, you must trust his processes mm-hmm. which really struck a string with me because I was like, "Oh, you're completely right. Like he promises children to us." but that doesn't mean that when I want it right away, it's going to happen and or my, my way, it's going to happen. And so I think that's like the biggest thing that I've hold on to when things aren't going my way or things aren't happening like I wish they would have.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I love that one. I haven't heard it like that before. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. So to wrap it up, can we go through all of your handles? And um, you mentioned the podcast, we can repeat that as well. Yeah. And I'm going to put all of that information on the notes as well.
1: Yeah, um, so you can find me on Instagram at Um, That is the main place that I share everything. Um, that's where I'm going to be launching my courses um, coming Black Friday. So be looking out for that. But then uh, my podcast, you can find, I actually launched it today, which I'm super excited about. But you can find those pretty much on any podcasting app, but it's She Unapologetically. And those are the two main places where I share everything. That's great. Great. Brittany,
0: thank you so much. It's great to see you again. We'll have to book another workout at some point. <laughs> yes. And and we'll see you soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I said this before. It's so painful to see the amount of people affected by this struggle, But there is the silver lining in the strength that we find within ourselves and within the community that provides us so much support. So if you're not trying to conceive, I hope this chat enlightened you and helped you understand a bit more of what we are going through. And if you are, I hope this chat with Brittany gives you a bit more strength. That strength that she shared, she's gained through this. Leave your comments and reviews so we can chat about it. I've been super happy receiving all of these encouraging messages after each episode. So thank you so much. Stay well and stay safe. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Love you all. This podcast wouldn't be up and running if it wasn't for the help of a few very special people you can find my special thanks to them all at myfertilityjourney.ca and if you want to keep in touch find me on instagram on at myfertilityjourney.ca don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast leave a review to support the show and share it with anyone you think might benefit from it Love you all and I'll see you soon.